0: Welcome to School of Movies. Okay, so Masters of the Universe, the film from 1987.
1: At the far end of the universe, there is a planet ruled by a being of utter evil. I will build a great, great wall. And there is only one man who dares challenge him. John C They are locked in a battle to the death. A battle that will take them across the heavens. Stop him! A battle that will finally be fought. I want them budget out and brought to me! Across the face. Police! Nobody move! Of Earth. I think I'm gonna need some backup. Can you show us the way? Of course. No! No! Julie! From a distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe, live the adventure.
0: we've We released the He-Man show last week, and we recorded that one many months ago. but uh, this this film came at a weird time. it It came at a time when he- man was pretty much dead. it's a It's a weird moment. I mean, I suppose, I suppose it's kind of like you know how the last Airbender film came out just after Avatar had finished. Mm. So I suppose it's like you know now we make the trip to the big screen, see if this works. Unfortunately, uh, they they went to Canon Films for, uh, you know, who was going to to make this thing. And Canon were known for sort of, you know, playing fast and loose and making quick, cheap, crappy films. They were behind – let's see what Canon did. Jesus, they've done so many films. Okay. The Happy Hooker Goes to Hollywood from 1980 Schizoid, Mm -hmm. Dr. Heckler, Mr. Hype The Apple, New Year's Eve Evil, New Year's Evil, that's pretty good Hospital (laughs) Massacre, Enter the Ninja Body and Soul, Death Wish 2 Lady Chatterley's Lover, did no expect that one Uh, The Last American Virgin I mean these all sound like Troy McClure films (laughs) They
2: do Uh,
0: Nana, The True King of Sorry, Nana, The True Key of Pleasure What? What? There was. They did a Hercules film. Uh, Revenge of the Ninja, The Wicked Lady, Over the Brooklyn Bridge, Sahara, uh, Breakin', as in Break-In, uh, the prequel to Break-In 2, Electric Boogaloo, uh, Exterminator 2, Ninja 3, The Domination, uh, Missing in Action, Break-In 2, Electric Boogaloo, um, Rappin', Hot Chili, Life Force, American Ninja, Invasion USA, Matahari, King Solomon's Mines, Fall for Love, Runaway Train, Hill Squad, The Delta Force, Highlander.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Your favorite. My
2: favorite. Uh,
0: <clears throat> coming soon, folks. Dangerously close. Cobra. Thunder Rain. Invaders from Mars. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Lightning. The White Stallion. I mean, we could pretty much do one on Canon. There is a documentary on um, the, the, uh, the wild and wacky um, ride that was Canon Films. The assault over the top, number one with a bullet. The Barbarians. A version of Beauty and the Beast, American Ninja Two: The Confrontation. You name it, they will make it American and put a ninja in it. <laughs> uh, sleeping Beauty, Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Masters did they
3: put a ninja in Sleeping Beauty?
0: They did. It's an American <laughs> Sleeping Beauty ninja, um, and they they kept going for quite a while. Puss, yeah, there's Puss in Boots, Platoon Leader, uh, American Ninja Three: Blood Hunt, Cyborg. As I recall, wasn't Cyborg, like, like they were taking the bits of what was going to be a, a He-Man, a Master of the Universe follow-up and turned it into Cyborg, the Van Damme film. I don't even know how those two come together. But yeah, they, they were fighting, they were doing it way into the 90s. 1993, American Samurai, then Street Knight, American Cyborg, Steel Warrior. They've all got to be American, folks. Hellbound, American Ninja Five, the best one. And uh, Chain of Command was their last, last one. A lot of these were directed video. Um, Crackhouse. Missed that one. It was
2: 1989.
0: Hmm. Okay. So um, not the best people to take your He-Man to. And uh, as a result of the fact that it was made after the He-Man cartoon, after the She-Ra cartoon, um, and before the new adventures of He-Man, it was around about the time when He-Man was no longer cool, if he ever was. But certainly not at the top of all the kids' uh, you know list of stuff because they had uh, Transformers and Thundercats and um, uh, Real Ghostbusters, and they were just about to get into Ninja Ninja Turtles. There's a Ninja you forgot, American, yeah, Canon Films. <laughs>
3: That's a trick they missed, clearly. You wanted to get in on the ground floor of that because turtles went crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, technically they had... Turtles
3: the, on everything.
0: They had the money to actually, you know, put into the, the Golden Harvest, um, uh, the, the 1990 film. They could probably have, have helped put that together. I don't know where the turtles would be right now if, if that first film had genuinely sucked. Like the, uh, the third one, God... There's there's certain charms to the second one. In fact, I kind of like watching the second one, the Turtles film, with a
1: They're Babies!
0: <laughs> Possibly just because of the extra perspective that We Hate movie gave it. Possibly not. Should we talk about Masters of the Universe?
3: Let's talk <clears throat> about Masters of the Universe.
0: If we must. And now we cue the credits that couldn't decide whether they wanted to be Star Wars or Superman or both. Super Star Wars. <laughs> First things first. Forget all you know or think you know about. <laughs> <laughs> see what I did about yeah. Eternia and everything about it, because it pretty much went out. This is a prime time case of baby out with the bathwater. They could not wait to get this stuff out the door. They're just like, right, okay, this screw all that Eternia. This is the new Eternia. This is the real thing. Um, what did you like? Did you notice major differences or things that were missing?
3: Oh my god, where do I start? <laughs> okay. Um, right, okay, for a start, let's go with. Uh, there's no Prince Adam.
0: Nope. He Man is, is apparently a Prince Adam persona. He never even time. mentions
3: him. Nope. Um, so he doesn't exist. Um, Tila is wearing a kind of sort of pretty generic soldier outfit rather than the cool cobra bra um, and white leotard combo that I'm used to seeing her in. hmm. Um, I'm trying
0: to imagine s- what this would look like if they actually went for painfully re- not realistic but painfully ac- <laughs> accurate costumes of the original TV show yeah
3: um, the Sorceress is not an eagle um, she's not young um, you never see Castle Grayskull from the outside um, there was
0: a map painting of it at the very, did you see the one at the beginning?
3: oh oh yes Oh, of course Yes.
0: I really yeah. like that painting of Castle Grayskull
3: Okay, that's oh, Speaking that of way.
0: liking th- any of this film at all, we mentioned it several times on Twitter and the hate and derision that poured in. So, like, I, I can only assume that n- 100% of people who are listening either have never heard of this film or don't want to watch this film or hate this film. So, we're going to confound you all by explaining what happens in it.
3: Mm hmm, indeed. Right, okay, so that's those things. Well, Um, where's
0: where's Mechaneck? Where's um, Stratos? Oh, yeah,
3: there's lots of characters. All of of the the masters of the
0: universe. Where's Manny Faces? He's
3: gone. Where's um, Roboto?
0: Where's Fisto?
3: The good guys um, are reduced to He Man, uh, who doesn't have his alter ego, Teela, who doesn't have her famous outfit, mm-hmm. and um, Manitar, <laughs> um who is also dressed as just a, a sort of a conventional soldier, but that's not, apart from the sort of colour of it, that's not wildly different. What well,
0: really we different say Manitar. conventional soldier, it looks like he's been playing Photon.
3: Uh, well, yes. As okay.
0: in the early 80s. Laser, laser tag. Laser <laughs> tag, <the> helmet.
3: <laughs> and then Gwildor, who is invented.
0: Yeah, they made Gwildor up for this movie, which is yes, like a did. little Yoda-type uh, dwarf inventor. Yeah. It's terrible to call him a dwarf. He, he would be, in a fantasy setting, he would be a dwarf. He is, in fact, played by real-life talented short actor Billy Barty, who was also in Willow. And yes. this feels a bit like Willow in terms of the fact that it was desperately trying to ape Star Wars in terms of delivering awkward fantasy in the 80s featuring Billy Barty.
3: Totally. And, and also the fact, because uh, he plays the... Oh, my mind's gone blank. Um, the... What's the sorcerer called in Willow? The High Oldwyn. High Oldwyn, that's the one. Um, So he plays the High Oldwyn in Willow, so he's kind of already geared up to be this incredibly wise, um, uh, magical being. But the the scene at the beginning where they walk into his house, all I could think of was Wilford Brimley in Battle for Endor. God damn it! Um... (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Willow
0: was 1988, so basically Barty jumped off of this one and immediately used the, used the cachet this brought to get in the plum Willow role. Indeed. And ultimately, since there were a lot of short actors in that film, he, you know, he had to fight all of them, physically fight them, to actually get to the top <laughs> to be the High old win. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> stay his... tuned for Willow, by the way. <laughs> Indeed.
3: His purpose here is... Right. The only reason to have Gwildor is to invent and use the Cosmic Key. Correct. The only reason to have the Cosmic Key is because, (laughs) like placing an American actor in a British rom-com because otherwise, nobody on the other side of the Atlantic is going to accept this strange and magical world that they have never seen and is mysterious to them. They don't think we will accept and grasp a fantasy world unless we can put characters from Earth in it.
0: Yeah. The double-edged sword of that being, well, let's go to Earth because it's a lot cheaper to film in Baltimore uh, than it is to, uh, you know, basically try to convince you that you're in this um, exotic, otherworldly location. The double-edged sword of that is that every character in their outlandish costume looks supremely awkward when yes, wandering around do. the streets at night. Yes, they do. It's permanent night, by the way, in this film. It's like it's dusk when they arrive and we never see the sun. I think oh, that they, they, they mostly wanted to do nighttime shoots because it made them look less silly in broad daylight.
3: Possibly so. <laughs> we can't take you out in the daytime. People yeah. will throw things.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so just re- so rewind a bit back to that. Like, it starts off in Castle Greyskull and Skeletor's just taking it over. And you're like, this ain't your mother's Skeletor? <laughs> riffing on We Hate Movies the whole time because this feels kind of perfect for that it, We Hate Movies themselves did in fact a, uh, a live version of uh, their, their take on this so uh, you should check that one out as well um, but yeah this ain't your mama Skeletor because he's mean and murderous and does not take prisoners except for when he takes prisoners so mm. Um, And he doesn't
3: just trip people and throw them in the mud.
0: No. I mean, that wasn't really Skeletor's game anyway. He'd normally create a machine that would fail, Mm. and he would be thrown in the mud by He-Man. That's Um, true. But, yeah, no, he's got idiotic henchmen, but he kills them. And uh, (laughs) while they're going, you flea-bitten ninny, he goes, right, I will destroy you, and just disintegrates them.
3: Which is really missing the point of what Masters of the Universe was. It was the least consequence-laden show ever, with the possible exception of Thundercats.
0: I'm not entirely sure that doing it straight wouldn't have ended up being like Street Fighter, the movie.
3: Mm. That's true, actually. See, I think it would be, right, okay, you couldn't have done it straight then, as in a straight, Reproduction of what happened in the cartoons yeah. I think you could do a very close one now with a heavy dose of irony yeah. and basically get this masters of the universe meets Archer
0: yeah. It, it, the, the animation lends itself to that. Uh, it really but, does. Or ultimately, just to play it straight and earnest, you could do that as a film, and uh, people might find it charming. The way that Peanuts was uh, played straight and earnest. The, the the problem with Skeletor being you know murderous is that well, I, I said that Street Fighter was played straight. Uh, the whole thing was like they they tossed out the um, you know what was in the game and the fighting contest and sort of made up a bunch of silly stuff because they didn't want it to be it's. Uh,
3: we didn't it's, want it to be silly, so we invented our own Made some
0: silly crap. Stuff. It's like Super Mario Brothers. And then in both films, it was like, well, how do we crowbar in this facet of the game? It's silly, but we can, we've got to f- figure out a good way for there to be a Blanca. Or uh, in the case of Super Mario Brothers, why is there a bomb? And, you know, let, let's make everyone scared of them. In Masters of the Universe, they seem to be laboring under no such misapprehensions of, right, we've got to get something people know from the uh, He-Man show uh, into this. It was more a case of, well, everyone knows I have the power, so we'll stick that in at the end so everyone can cl- clap and cheer. But pretty much everything else about it that you liked is it's gone. gone. <laughs> And so we're left with this murderous Hordak-style skeletal mm. and this curiously mild and understated He-Man. I have never seen a film about a giant barbarian where the barbarian was sort of hanging around in the background being nice to people the whole way through.
3: He really is. And he looks bored the whole time. And I know a bored lot of or that confused. is confused. Well, yeah. <laughs> a little from column A, a little from column B. But possibly that's just Dolph Lundgren. But yeah. Honestly, between him and Meg Foster, it's like they're having a competition to see who can react the least.
0: <laughs> was this um, like the year after Rocky Four? Uh,
3: was it the year after Rocky Four was eighty? I want to say eighty-seven.
0: Rocky Four was eighty-five.
3: Oh wow!
0: So he got this on the back of Ivan Drago. <laughs> So rather than, like, glaring at Skeletor with that cold, dead-eyed expression, if he dies, he dies, he's just sort of, you know, earnest and nice. and um, But he's not super earnest, not in a cartoonish way. He's mm. just the kind of barbarian you'd want to take home to meet your mother.
3: <laughs> not in those yeah. pants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you've got affable He-Man, um, and you've got this sort of grumbling old man-at-arms, and you've got this... Spitfire Teela who, to their credit, never gets damseled. Uh, her no. costume is less revealing. You, you know, is generic soldier, but she's definitely a soldier and not eye candy. Mm. And they never, they never make note of the fact that uh, she's a woman. And in fact, they don't crowbar her, her into a romantic plot. In fact, there isn't a romantic subplot anywhere in this film. There's the two Earth teens who have already been together for a while, but that's mm. it. There's no what they're not hooking up He Man with anyone.
3: That's very true. And in fact, you're right about the uh, complete lack of romantic subplot, because technically speaking, uh, Kevin and Julie... The only real romance is in the fact that they're splitting up at the beginning and then by the end they're back together again.
0: Well, you know, there's no romantic subplot because there's no plot. Anyway, um, so the sorceress is not the the standard sorceress from the uh, TV show. She is, in fact, Christina Pickles, who plays Monica's mother in Friends. And it gets even weirder because Monica then immediately turns up in her pants jacket. (laughs) Before we get to the pants jacket... There's some very confused fighting, and this has got some of the most ill-coordinated fight scenes I've seen in a film for quite some time. Mm. It's more just sort of like – it's it's like action figures fighting in that you like if you take two guys and smash them together and sort of go like that and sort of twist them together like that, that's the level of actual – Coordination in these fights. It's almost like they told Lundgren, just sort of kind of wrestle with these guys and then, like, they'll fall down at some point when they've had enough. There's no sense of, like, right, I'm going to stab you, I'm going to smash you in the face. It's not, there's no sense of He Man being a warrior. It's more Mm. just that he's going to. Tackle you at some point.
3: So are we suspecting then that whoever put the fights together walked in on someone playing with action figures and went, what on earth are you doing? Uh, They're they're fighting.
0: That's fighting? Honestly. So an alien put this film together. That would stand to reason. Also, um, Skeletor's Darth Vader... Like stalking around the place and killing his own henchmen and like wearing black and shouting all the time. He also has black Cobra stormtroopers.
3: He really does.
0: Yeah. And they're, you know, they're doing his, his uh, bidding and sort of marching everywhere. I don't remember Skeleton. He had Skelcons uh, who were like. Um,
3: he had what? I, never, I don't recall ever hearing them called that. What,
0: what were they called?
3: I have no idea. They're just, just
0: minions.
3: Guards. Yeah, minions.
0: Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, no, here he's got stormtroopers, and and they really are cobras. There is one bit at the beginning where Skeletor, having just taken control of uh, Castle Grayskull, broadcasts his whole face to the entire planet of Eternia, presumably, and it displays on this giant holographic projector thing, and He-Man's standing on top of a cliff and just sort of watching it in a solemn way. It's actually a really good entrance for, for the character. You know, kind of like it shows this giant, dominating head of skeletal, and then Hema just sort of grimly staring at it, and he then gets into one of these crappy fights that I just mentioned, which completely takes away any power and uh, majesty of the character. It's, uh, it's silly, but there were there are some good bits of this film. You know, it's it's not entirely without merit.
4: People
1: of Eternia, the war is over. My forces forces are victorious. The sorceress of of Grey Skull skull is my prisoner. And and her powers powers are are now joined with mine. Let Let this be my first decree. Those who do not not pledge pledge themselves to me shall be destroyed. The The new age begins.
0: This whole thing, by the way, if you know your Jack Kirby... This is the fourth world. Dark side. Skeletor is dark side. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, I
3: don't know my Jack Kirby.
0: But if you actually, if you, um, if you go in like this, is just after he'd finished his run on Thor, mm-hmm. he he kind of you know he he wanted to do his Ragnarok type thing, but uh, then you know what he he ended up working for DC, and they just gave him carte blanche to just sort of come up with the wild, crazy stuff himself. This was like seventy to seventy three, mm-hmm. and it would appear that the person writing this film had a boner for Jack Kirby because <laughs> they just went through the whole thing and changed Dark Side's name to Skeletor. Even the cosmic keys are boom tubes. There's a bit in Gwildor's hut, because he's been building this key that can, like, push through worlds. He mentions that, you know, his species, I can't remember, I didn't note down what he said Is well. We're a Venusian. We're trusting in every way. Evil Lynn came to visit me. Okay, so a woman named Evil Lynn comes to visit you. How trusting do you have to be? In every way. Oh, that trusting.
4: She came because of my skills as a locksmith. Wait a
1: second! back the fuck up
4: what kind of
0: incredibly trusting race of people have extremely skilled locksmiths that's good like point. See- that's like seeking out these pacifists and saying we want to learn your death martial arts please <laughs> i mean if he's that trusting he shouldn't have any locks on his doors that that's- would have been a really good bit of like characterization. that you know, we're the most trusting people. And you know, uh, Chila says, "Well, you got ten locks on your door." And then Gildor turns to her and just inclines his head sadly and goes, "Well, I used to be trusting."
3: Mm. And you're just yeah. like, "Oh,
0: no, oh, he's been, he's been messed around." But uh, no,
3: coming to Eternia,
0: they failed to capitalise on that. Um, and
3: <laughs> they, add that to the list.
0: The giant list of things they failed <laughs> to capitalise on.
4: I, I am Gweldor of Theodore. Locksmith and inventor! Uh, a skeleton's forces were hunting me down! A million blessings upon you for saving my life. No blessing is necessary. Any four skeletons is a friend of ours.
0: Nice going, man at arms. Are you including King Hiss and Hordak in this list?
4: Now why are you so important to Skeletor? Ha ha ha! What a story, Mark! <laughs> I'd better show you. Please come with me. I remember the days we didn't have to lock our doors those days will come back oh yes now uh you ask why Skeletor after me because of my invention because of this now I wish I hadn't created it Skeletor wants me killed so I can't make another one if he knew I had this prototype
1: what is it What does it do?
4: I call it the cosmic key. It is the most unique key in the universe. One cannot have gradations of uniqueness when either is or is not unique. Right.
5: (laughs) Well, no, you're right, you're right. I mean, mean, you you couldn't be more right. Well,
4: one is either right or not.
5: Oh, well, you are. You're right. And, and,
4: and so am I. Um, <laughs> uh, the tones it generates can open a doorway to anywhere. Anywhere? Exactly. One simply computes gravitonic toes for a specific destination, activates the energizer, and.
0: that's how Skeletor's troops go
4: into the city and surprise us. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm afraid
3: so. You little worm. Don't you realize what you've done?
4: Easy, Tila. He didn't know. That's right. How could I know? We Thinorians are or a peaceful race, trusting in every way. A woman came to see me.
0: And her name was Evil Lynn. I think you guys know the rest. There's, there's a bunch of Skeletor's henchmen chasing them around the whole time, seemingly. There's Beastman... Who, I, mean, I I'm going to go ahead and guess that the other masters of the universe, the good ones, since there aren't any around, dead. They've all been killed. <laughs> Mechanic had his neck snapped.
3: <laughs> Beastman ate them all.
0: Yeah. Stratos, caught and eaten by Beastman. Snout spout, taken for his ivory. Buzz off, swatted. Manny faces, facelift. Ram man got rammed. Fisto got fisted. Clamp champ was given the clamps.
2: I got a little surprise in store for that guy.
4: The clamps. Huh?
0: <laughs> so yeah, they they all got clearly rounded up and executed, and it's just these three left. Little throwaway line might have been good there, or or like even just a sort of. Then we'll get all of our friends out of captivity for the sequel. Maybe just to just to sort of reassure the kids that uh, uh, you know
3: they still exist.
0: That Moss Man has not been scraped up. <laughs> <clears throat> but the bad guys like rather than doing a trap jaw rather than doing a stink or a spike or, you've got they've made well up again two in fact cog and sawrod who are just sort of weird looking greebly monsters Karg in particular is super over designed he's got this like glam metal look and a catskin cloak, and an Elizabethan ruff, and a hook for a hand, <laughs> and he's got this grey mottled face and red eyes, and he's terrifying. But at the same time, if you step back, he's ridiculous looking. Um, but like, he's the, it's it's an uneasy film in terms of tone because it's too scary for little kids. I remember seeing this about the same week as I saw American Werewolf in London, and and was equally frightened by both. But it's embarrassing for adults to watch. Because all we can do is watch these people in their silly costumes walking around the place looking super self-conscious all the time. So anyway, Gwildor opens. They they sort of blunder into Castle Greyskull to stage a rescue for the sorceress um, because they're the resistance.
4: Though you die, la resistance lives on.
0: And uh, then Skeletor goes,
4: it's a trap.
0: And then they jet off to an unknown location, which turns out to be Earth. And then they meet a cow, and they don't understand what a cow is. (laughs) That's hilarious. You don't have anything even vaguely cow-like on Eternia. He-Man fans will, of course, be able to tell us, well, in in episode 216, they indeed met several cows.
3: But they don't eat meat, so maybe they don't have domesticated... Bovines. That's another thing
0: that they they mentioned like um that Gwildor pinches some ribs and the you know he and Tila and Manatoms are tucking into this meat and Tila goes why is they why do they keep this food on these little white sticks and Manatoms who's obviously had his share of meat in his day goes those are rib bones and then Teilo's like oh my god we're eating an animal as wow what a peaceful vegan planet they came from. No wonder Skeletor was able to take over.
3: <laughs> Everybody was anemic. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everyone just, and no one had the energy to fight him. Mm, um,
3: That's not true, by the way. If you're vegetarian, you are not automatically anemic.
0: Of course. So anyway, we, we now meet Julie, who is basically, she's got Sarah Connor's job, or she works in a, uh, a fast food type restaurant. And um, it's Courtney Cox. And she appears to be wearing a jacket made entirely of jeans, to the point where there's like the waist of the jeans is at her mm-hmm. neck.
3: It's the collar, yeah.
0: And I was like, are those actually recycled jeans turned into a jacket? It's quite uh, possible. It's an odd fit, but then again, most jackets in the 80s were. slightly yes. too big. So, yeah, then Julie is moving away because she's miserable and sad. She wants to have a fresh start. A year ago, Julie's parents died. So she goes to the graveyard to visit their graves and explains their death to us. And, and then one presumed. And them. It was all Kevin's fault, from the sounds of it. She wanted to, like... <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to go to the beach with them, but then she went with Kevin somewhere and they flew and their plane crashed and so they're dead. And so Julie's sad and she wants to move away. And that's not good for Kevin. Mm-hmm. Kevin is her boyfriend. He is a hapless goon and remains so the whole way through the movie.
3: He really is. That particular scenario, by the way, this is really like cautionary tale for don't bunk off school or tell your parents you're going to stay home. And see Otherwise they might fact, die. You want to meet up with your boyfriend. Seriously, though, I I pulled a sickie from school one day so that my boyfriend could sneak round and spend the day with me. He left his motorbike in our driveway and it got nicked. (laughs) So he ended up not being able to go home when we planned to so that he'd he'd be gone by the time my parents got home. And then we had to explain why his bike wasn't there anymore and police were involved. And oh, my God. By the end of the day, I was just like, this really wasn't worth it. (laughs)
0: Had the boyfriend ever to stay for the whole day, though.
3: Well, mm, but uh, I suppose I should <laughs> yeah, just I be grateful. It was what lost
0: what my... interest when his motorbike was. So... <laughs>
3: well, absolutely.
0: Mine was another thing.
3: It was, yes, but um, I suppose I should just be grateful that my parents didn't die in a plane crash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should, because it's <laughs> Kevin's fault. <laughs> anyway, so Kevin finds the cosmic key, which. When he picks it up, it looks like a Predator spear gun. It looks like those little metal barbed hooks on the end will fly out and stick in people's eyes and, like, explode, perhaps.
3: Absolutely. Press this it's like, button oh, this and it'll so cool. be sh- out at one
0: end yeah and he's like pressing it and you know, ultimately you know secret predator movie this could actually have been a backdoor for a uh, you know predator masters of the universe crossover and he we- in fact finds a predator weapon instead
3: we have seen so many secret predator movies recently
0: yes Um... Then there's this is truly alarming. School invasion because he's like, you got to see my band play, and Julie's like, yeah, okay, guess I'm gonna do that. It's been most of our relationship, so I might as well cap it off with the same thing. And uh, so he's playing at uh, San Dimas high or wherever, <laughs> and uh, he's like playing his keyboards to an empty auditorium or the the the, the gym, and um, she's sitting there like she has for most of their relationship, and. Um,
3: She's really bad at breaking up with him, by the way. Yeah. So the, the, her, right. The introduction to Julie is this conversation that she's having with her colleague about the fact that she's moving away. She wants a fresh start. Yeah, dead, honey. And, uh, yeah, indeed. She wants a fresh start. And so she's going to, um, she, she's like, I just need to get away from from Kevin and, and here.
0: <laughs> I, and, I and sympathize.
3: And then there's, <laughs> the horn honks. And she's like, oh, that's Kevin. It's like, Well, they, they, honestly, get attacked. Don't get the guy you're trying to split up with to come and Julie, pick you up from work.
0: You are the worst at getting away from Kevin.
3: <laughs> you really are. And in fact,
0: at the end of the movie, she
3: doesn't get away from Kevin. No, she doesn't.
0: Um, so yeah, there's this... Tri- like, the school gets invaded by Beast Man and this over-designed car guy and Sword who has a tail and a hat. And... <laughs> and And that is how he was defined and they're running around the place and like um, Julie screams and runs away and like she hides under the stage and this guy Blade who's like got blades like not the Marvel Blade like he's just a bad guy with swords shoves these swords through the stage and they go funk like that and I remember thinking as I was seven oh my god they might have killed her and stabbed her and it almost turns into a horror movie again ridiculous when you're an adult um, terrifying when you're a child
3: Yes. And also terrifying if you're aware of Carrie, um, because you can't see a school hall with decorations for a prom and it's on fire without thinking of Carrie.
0: So, but then, like, He-Man turns up and he's running through a neighborhood. And again, this is that whole they had to shoot at night thing. Because he just looks wrong with a suburban house behind him in this cloak and just handsome. Like, they never meet anyone. They're so good and stealthy, they only meet the key core characters of this film. They're wandering around Baltimore in broad nightlight most of the time. And no one sees them. It's probably not Baltimore. I don't know where it is. Let me just check. Um... It just says Earth.
2: <laughs>
3: That's very <laughs> non-specific.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. Culver City, California, apparently, um, which would be why He-Man's able to run around with his nipples out at night, because in Baltimore, it's a wee bit nippy. <laughs> nipples. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's just a sort of a small American town. It's got a music shop, which appears to be the hub of cosmopolitanism for this particular town. All things happen at this music shop. And uh, yeah, so Julie Neely gets ca- captured by Beastman, who's like running after her. She throws, uh, what was it she threw in his face? Ammonia. Ammonia. So now Beastman. Why Man there was has, like, a bottle caffeine. of
3: ammonia at a prom, I don't know.
0: Oh, they were probably cleaning up the sick. But yeah, she almost gets caught. He-Man turns up for some more of that awkward fighting. Which, uh, again, when you're a kid is awesome because there was so little in the way of sword and sorcery that you just took what you could get. Yes. Back in those days. Mm-hmm. And then what Secret Hill Valley movie, because Strickland turns up. James Tolkien. So it's and you know, honestly, I, I feel like he's already taken Kevin aside. You know, he's not technically the uh, in the same job, but it feels like this guy could have is now doing like Strickland decided to become a detective after thirty years of working in a school.
3: Well, he's a um, he's a police officer, isn't he? So yeah. it's uh, basically uh, Sheriff I would say Strickland. From- no,
0: he's incredibly blunt. So uh, yeah, yes.
3: um, it's Sheriff Strickland from eighteen eighty-five.
0: Maybe, maybe a brother of Strickland. We don't know, but either way, he could—he would probably tell uh, Kevin that he was a slacker and that he'd never amount to anything, and that his band was too loud. Yes, like Huey Lewis. Indeed.
3: Uh, so, anyway, in Kevin's case, it's probably true that he would but, never amount to anything. Kevin meets
0: PC Strickland and tells him about the uh, cosmic key. I think, and then Strickland uh, immediately suspects it. it's something from the communists. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, he take, takes it to the music shop and he's like, could it be Russian? Yeah. What?
0: It, it doesn't look Russian. It doesn't look utilitarian. It
3: doesn't look Japanese either, and that's Kevin's first assumption.
0: Yeah, The henchman returned to Skeletor uh, without the cosmic key uh, or, or anything else to show for it. And um, to uh, make it clear that uh, he is displeased, Skeletor kills one of them. That. He may as well have killed all of them for the amount of, that they're actually in the movie after this. <laughs> um, especially Karg, he just gets written out. What happened to Karg at the end?
3: Uh, I don't exactly. Know. What happened to Beastman? I don't.
0: What think... happened to Evil Lin? Uh, I think she falls in a pit. Does she? I don't know. Can you swear to that? Because it really oh. feels like there should have been some kind of like denouement to all mm-hmm. of these bad guys. Because yeah, He-Man is, is apparently do, you know, joining in the fight. But what really matters is He-Man versus Skeletor. Mm. But, um, yeah, in, in, instead uh, the aptly named Evil Lynn takes over with her creepy eyes. This woman was in uh, Quantum Leap, wasn't she?
3: She was indeed, yes. She, uh, she played um, mother. Abigail's mother in the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah she's a creepy woman. I've seen her play a couple of other roles as well and she's basically because she has these incredibly pale blue eyes yeah. but dark hair and yeah. and quite dark sort of olivey skin she just she looks dead weird
0: dead she's like a corpse walking around um, she probably you know she she's actually quite a uh, a stirring actress um, uh, so I, I won't actually...
3: Although in this, she mostly just looks bored.
0: Yeah. you know, She she plays about the best evil Lin you could. Her name's Meg Foster. But she does have that... Because her eyes are so pale blue, she looks like she's um, the ex-wife of Night's King out of Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so she's taken over now. So Skeletor's finally sent someone with a brain to get this thing back. Uh, they do a bit of home invasion, which, again... Like, they're too big for this world and too big for this house. And, like, so when Beastman's going in there and savaging Kevin, who is completely defenseless, and like just before they come in, he's, like, there's this massive product placement because he's got some ice-cold Burger King. And he starts chucking that into the waste disposal unit, picks up two perfectly good oranges and chucks them in there afterwards. I can tell why Kevin is thin and malnourished now, by the way. Yes, Nothing but Burger King. And he also probably has scurvy, because he's not eating his oranges. Quite
3: likely. Oh, my God. I've just thought, when um, Julie leaves the restaurant, she brings him a bucket of food. Mm. I think he's living solely on what fast food she brings home for him. Yeah.
0: He'll regret getting into that stride of a diet once his metabolism slows down. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, the Eternians invade a music shop because uh, James Tolkien Strickland has taken the uh, uh, the cosmic key to the music shop to ask if it's something that the cosmonauts invented. This is not an ideal place for a battle. There is no cover at all, and He-Man and company stand in like like clear view of these stormtroopers who stand in clear view of them just shooting each other with lasers and there's massive explosions and I honestly like like they're throwing grenades around the place why there was no stormtrooper staggering around with a keyboard through his chest I do not know that's your <laughs> opportunity so get someone needs to get a flute in the eye but uh, but no there's again again no inventiveness in the actual fighting it's all just sort of like um, by rote 80s you know well this will amuse the kids type stuff um, and the- and <laughs> Uh, Suddenly, because she's seen a picture of Julie's dead parents, Evil Lynn turns up in an alley looking like Julie's mum. And she goes, oh, sweetheart, we aren't actually dead. It's all the government or something, some kind of like secret thing. Go bring me the cosmic key. And Julie, who's an idiot, goes, Mm. yeah, all kiddo." This I see nothing Spider-Man. amiss here. <laughs> yeah, no, This I, I, I was thinking of uh, the Amazing Spider-Man plotline as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, she immediately then goes in and goes, right, um, rather than asking, does anyone on Skeletor's army have the ability to shape shift? Because I think I've just met someone who's shapeshifting. Why do you ask? Well, she looked exactly like my mother. How does she talk? Exactly like my mother. Well, if she's seen a photo of her, that stands to reason. If someone who looked exactly like me turned up, because they only had a photo for reference, and they spoke like, Hello, Sharon, I am your husband, as well you know. Alex Shaw, that is my name. You see my ID. You would know something was amiss.
2: I would, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Give me the cosmic key. Also, this reminds me of that bit in uh, Spaceballs, which was released the same year, uh, in in that um, Dick Van Patten turns up, In this obvious, like, you know, like, you know, would I lie with his shifty eyes. And then she goes blundering out to meet him and he turns back into Darth Helmet and goes,
2: fool you.
0: So when Evil Lynn turns back into Evil Lynn, she should really go,
2: fool "Fool you. Because
0: immediately afterwards, Courtney Cox gets her best scream queen on and goes, "Ah!" which is probably how she was landed the role in scream 10 years later. Remember when I said Sawrod got killed? Do you remember Sawrod? He was a great character, wasn't he? Pass. Have a guess how many figures of this movie got made. You know, because the, the action figure line was still going, yes, three. <laughs> Have a guess which ones.
3: Okay. He-Man? Nope. Hmm. <laughs> No.
0: They didn't make a tie-in He-Man. They Technically, can... laser-light He-Man looks a bit like him, but they didn't have a license to Dolph Lundgren's face.
3: I was just going to say, was it because they didn't have a license for Dolph Lundgren?
0: Yeah. Also, laser He-Man and laser Skeletor were only available in very short supply and in only in certain countries. Can you imagine if the Transformers movie, the first one, had come out, and they'd gone, oh, well, we don't really know if this is going to be that much of a hit, so we've only done three Transformers. There's and Barricade and Blackout, why not? People just walking around would go is is there a Transformers movie this year? I don't know, this is sort of a, like a, a couple of couple of Transformers toys on the shelves, but I can't really tell why wouldn't you put movie He-Man front and centre and say look guys, there is a He-Man movie, out now, go see it I mean, it's not going to have much of the stuff you like from He-Man, but you'll see it anyway. Um, right. But, like okay. they didn't have a license for Frank Langella's Skeletor made-up face. Mm, yeah. There was no Skeletor. Just... La- la- laser beam Skeletor, whatever, that came out around at the same time looked nothing like this version of Skeletor, although he has kind of a – like, if you squint and if you painted it black, maybe.
3: Mm. Did they have action figures of um, Ivan Drago because – you could get one of those and put fur pants on it. Do
0: you know there was an Ivan Drago action figure, a Rocky one? Mm. Okay. I wonder if someone's done something with that. And he already comes in his shorts. Not literally. That would be hideous. I was
3: just about to say that's not good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the the other two were uh, – well, these are three. It was Sawrod was one of them. Mm-hmm. Blade was one of the others. And Gwildor. That's it. Three. <gasps>
3: ah, the original characters.
0: Yeah. But there was no cog. Like, he was probably the most over-designed and interesting of the f- interesting looking of the new characters. Should
3: we make this one? No, uh, he's a bit too complex.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hook for a hand, we don't know how to do that. Catskin, wind cheater, don't know how to do that. <laughs> Looks too glam metal for me. <laughs> oh, uh, but, I mean, Sword had a tail. But, uh, yeah, there's no Stormtroopers. I mean, the design of the and a hat. It is pretty good. <laughs> um but, uh, but no, there was, there was no uh, figures of that, and because of the licenses and the rights, there never have been figures of those, apart from those original three we created. Uh, but like, if you're going to make f- like figures, don't make the one who gets killed almost immediately after doing nothing. It doesn't make any sense. There's no new He-Man, no new Skeletor, no new Teela, no new man at Arms, no new Evil-Lyn, no new Beast-Man, no new giant air cruisers, because, I mean, those look like they were just excuses to make big toys. No Jabba's sail tank, and worst of all, no Kevin. (laughs) And what happened to Orko as well, by the way? I I can only imagine that uh, Evil-Lyn fed him to a a creature of some kind. Yeah, Panthor ate him. That's what happened to Orko. Mm. Anyway, so He-Man goes airboarding around the place in a, in a, a scene rather resplendent to that airboarding scene in Highlander 2, which came out four years later and they hadn't learned their lesson. They looked at this wanky scene and went, yeah, we would like to do exactly that. Or maybe they just watched uh, Back to the Future 2, which came out two years after this and two years before Highlander 2 and went, that is exactly what we want to do, hoverboarding. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the same, like sort of flying about the place. Like, it's, it, there's some like obvious model shots which look ridiculous, uh, of like sort of he-man chasing like it's just flying around in the street it's just busy work of an action sequence and uh it eventually re- you know it, it ends in he-man getting punked and taken and do they take the cosmic key as well
3: uh i think they do get it because then they have the uh the scenario where they have to try and get it back and it's a trap and uh all the rest
0: is it is that a, Was that a trap in the end? It's a really low-key scene. It seems like this big action set piece where Skeletor comes through on his giant sail barge from Eternia to Earth. But the only people who witness him are the people who already know about He-Man and company. So Strickland, Julie, Kevin, maybe the guy who owns the music store. No, There's no other innocent bystanders. This is not the Avengers. Imagine if... Imagine if the Chitauri came through to a deserted New York at night and no one was around to go, Oh my God! And there was no great big fight with the Avengers and the Chitauri. And it was mainly just Iron Man hoverboarding around the place being pursued by and pursuing some guys. That's it. That, that's the sequence. As low-key as you can get. <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. As low-key as you can get. All of He-Man's... Like, He-Man gets taken and captured. Mm. And all of He-Man's allies are like, it's hopeless. Completely hopeless. And Julie gets shot in the leg by Skeletor. And then it starts... This disgusting, pus-filled boil start breaking out. And she's completely weakened, you know, immediately after that for the rest of the film. And so everyone's got to fight because otherwise Julie's going to die. And, um... Gwildor goes, It's hopeless, unless any, somebody had a, a spangled dirigible bong. And Teela goes, Well, I have one of those on my arm. And, and he goes, Well, I'd still need a Venusian poodle flap. And Manatom goes, I have one of those here. And I need something to play the keys on. Well, I'll go and get a keyboard, says Kevin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's one of those kind of like you know what, guys, if we all club together, all of us can lend something to this particular, uh, you know, fight. And, you know, all of us have our own special skills. Some of these special skills are just sort of clipped to our arm and we can just give them to Gweldor.
3: Absolutely. Oh, and I need that guy's leg.
0: (laughs) I just freaking need it. So immediately after this, He-Man gets whipped. Literally. Whipped, flogged. It turns into a Mel Gibson movie. He is... Re- I mean, there's no reason they should whip He-Man at this point.
3: There really isn't, is there? No. Because if the point is to show that he's he's broken and Skeletor's winning and, you know, all hope is lost, they don't have Dolph Lundgren standing there, still looking bored, occasionally flinching when he remembers.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> the whip is sort of a laser whip.
3: Yeah, so it's a CG... Well, CG. It's uh, a... <laughs> It's a Rotoscope. thing they did in post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember what old effects were called. And he's um, twitching
0: his buttocks as it slaps against him. Indeed. And He's like, Ugh, uh, "Don't use those whips over there on the wall." <laughs> okay, yeah, but I can understand that maybe if it was like a gladiator movie, you'd need to have that scene. But if it's going to be a gladiator movie, make it a gladiator movie. <laughs> don't like make it a, a you know a, a movie mostly set in Baltimore and a high school and then include a whipping. <laughs> That doesn't make, that that not make the goddamn sense.
3: Oh, because oh, the rest of this makes just so much sense.
0: Well, yeah, including Kevin's incredible ability to remember four notes. Yes. Six notes. was it, like,
3: oh, I could never
0: remember those notes. And Kevin goes, wait, 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 was it... yes yes it was those four notes six notes contain the galactic coordinates to get us back to eternia all i need is a venusian poodle flap and a spangled dirigible ball
3: absolutely and again modern technology makes it impossible to update this because somebody would just shazam it
0: yeah there's an app for that (laughs)
4: the final chord kevin 20 metron's poleward. Pull it out of the air for us.
1: Mm. (sighs) Look, you've got the wrong song maker, Gwildor. All right, I'm just a stupid keyboard player in a high school band. There's a million of me.
4: Only one of you, Kevin. Only one of anybody.
5: Listen to me, boy. And half a chroma. We're not going to have a sorceress to go
2: home to. So if you know how to do something with that thing, then you do. Gwildor, Kevin knows the tones. Can you get us home, or can't you? Mm. Uh,
4: yes. Yes, I think I can. I need a few things. Hmm. A Masonic Tesseract.
1: Right here,
4: an octode uh, rectifier. I have an
1: octode rectifier,
4: and something to play the tones on.
1: Wait, I'll, I'll get a keyboard from Charlotte's.
4: Look, take care of
2: her.
5: I will.
0: Meanwhile, at Castle Grayskull,
4: it is not too late to undo this madness.
2: Madness,
1: I demand. Destitution, shame, and loneliness of scorn. It is my destiny, it is my right. Nothing will deter me from it. Men who crave power look back over the mistakes of their lives, pile them all together, and call it destiny. Thank you for that bit of philosophy, sorceress. Here is my response. I have been audited for many, many years. It is very, very unfair. I don't know why, but for some reason the IRS audits me virtually every year. But can you it tell us what your gross thing. income I've been, is? Can, very unfair thing. Us, I've been singled out. Can you tell us what your I, gross yes, income I have been is singled out. for 2014? Can you tell us what your effective tax rate is and, and can you give we'll us a sense you know of how you much do, you get to charity?
0: Then everyone else turns up and frees He-Man and He-Man fights Skeletor, whilst everyone around them goes, Nyah, 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 nyah. This is why I asked what happens to the henchman, because nothing seems to be going on. It's it's all just like a like uh, like it's mostly He-Man and Skeletor fighting. Skeletor puts He-Man's power sword in the throne of Grey and the the sorceress who he's had captive since the beginning, has now grown really old and wrinkly because her power is being sucked out. And it's got
3: all dark crystal on us.
0: Then Skeletor absorbs the power of the universe and says that he feels one with the universe, which really, honestly, should probably give him a sense of perspective which would humble him. You would think. Yeah, but instead he just gets filled with power and cl- claims himself to be a master of the universe, which sort of explains the whole master of the universe thing. That's one of those kind of like, well, let's work out how there can be a master of the universe because the guy with the really long neck is not one. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, everyone's going, and Skeletor, who's now got gold armor and claims to be a god, fights He-Man. And it's very much a kind of, right, I'll put my staff up here and then you hit it and then I'll try and sweep at your leg and you sort of defend it with your sword and it's in the dark and that's sort of what happens. And then He-Man smashes the staff, the gold armor disappears and then Skeletor's down on the ground and then he reaches for a concealed sword and they start fighting again and then He-Man immediately kicks him backwards down a shaft just like Palpatine and he goes, (coughs) He's screaming at the top of his voice, and then the actual shot of Skeletor falling backwards, his mouth is firmly closed, and his arms are flapping in a kind of a (laughs) way, and he goes down a pit, and that's the end. Two things. Isn't having a giant bottomless pit right next to where you sit most of the day, sorceress, something of a workplace hazard? And also during the fight in the music shop, when all these, you know, stormtroopers are firing laser blasts back and forth with He-Man and company, Strickland says, I feel like I've been in an episode of the Twilight Zone! Is he the one person in the world who didn't see Star Wars ten years ago and is completely unaware of its existence? So is now He-Man the master of the universe? Because like like to, to like, uh, when he becomes freed and grabs his sword to then fight Skeletor, he does the "I have the power" thing. You know to, uh, that that probably got the kids cheering. Do you think? Probably. I don't know. Maybe even the adults would would cheer for that because it's it's hard not to cheer for "I have the power." It's rather yeah. like Thor holding up "meow meow." Yeah,
3: it's inspiring. That's yeah. the purpose of it.
0: Um, and then uh, they say goodbye to Julie and Kevin. And Strickland's going to stay here. And he's got a floozy on his arm. And he's like, hey, I might stay here and be king of Eternia. Yeah, hey, forget about it. And I'm going to get, like, where's that girl from? Who is she? <laughs> uh, why does she like him? And more specifically, are we now all going to be eating meat? Because I don't think Strickland's just going to be uh, accepting, you know, vegetable parfait from now on. He's gonna He's going to want some cows. They're going to have to discover cows and then eat them because he's now president of Eternia
2: mm.
0: it doesn't make any sense and what was he doing for this fight was he just like shotgunning stormtroopers either way with a new potentative Eternia that pretty much means that King Randor is dead so subtext folks there's an earnestness to this as well when they say goodbye to Julie and Kevin it's like we don't say goodbye we say good journey and and they actually, they seem to be getting kind of emotional. And, and although they seem awkward the whole way through, there's a kind of trying to believe what they're saying going on. I mean, you know, some are trying harder than others.
3: Yeah, <laughs> Indeed.
0: But, you know, it's, it's it's a sweet little scene. Oh, excuse me. Oh. But, you know, it's a sweet little scene. And then uh, uh, Gryldor sends Julie back. And just as she's going, she goes, no, wait, blah, 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 blah. But Gwildor already knew what she was going to say. And Julie wakes up in her own bed a year previously. How? How and how? None of that makes any sense. He's not transporting Julie's consciousness. He's transporting Julie. She would be emerging possibly from the co- the coordinates that he's sending her through in her jeans jacket into that bedroom to find an exact duplicate of herself in there asleep. She'd have to murder the clone so that she could continue living in this existence.
3: Is that an option? Has what she's been through made her particularly inclined to do that, do you think?
0: Possibly. I think, yeah, He-Man may have slipped her a sword. Um... Oop. But no, it... <laughs> None of that... what it
3: sounds like.
0: Not even remotely what I meant. Um... But no, no, she runs downstairs and her parents are there and she's like, don't go to the on the plane. And they go, oh, honey, you're going crazy. And she goes, no, and grabs their car keys and then runs out of the house in her nightdress and then meets Kevin. And then she's been given like uh, the universe. This, like, like, she's been given like a blue ball that she can sort of hold a in. Do they look into it and inside is He-Man going, oh, I have the power? Did I no, imagine no, that? No,
3: no, it's just a, a swirly marble
0: all right, okay, it's a swirly marble, so you could hang it from the collar of a cat, maybe. And then at the very, very end, like after you've sat through the credits, Skeletor turns back up again, coming out of the slime at the bottom of the pit. Skeletor's head emerges, and he goes, I'll be back! <laughs> and it's like, it. you know what? Frank Langella loved this role. He counts this as his favorite of his career. This dude played Nixon. But yeah, he loves Skeletor the best, mm. and uh, again, like he he gets into the whole gloating evil villain the whole way through, and yes. um, you know claiming to be a god and stuff and blah blah blah. Uh, what's good about this film is like just you know this is a rhetorical question. I can like, you know there's no. Aside from the fact that there's a stinger ending there, he's like, I'll be back, because he's technically Darkseid, and because Darkseid is technically Thanos, so technically he's the original Thanos, going, I'll be back, I'm going to be coming for those Infinity Gems.
3: It's very innocent. Yes. Um, It comes from a time period when fantasy was very innocent.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. And largely silly, and largely amateur looking and it didn't matter yeah and I'm I'm trying to work out I am genuinely trying to work out what's the difference between something like this um, or even to an extent Willow although Willow kind of transcends that and gets into the actually non ironically good I don't Um, so
0: much think that it didn't matter none of these fantasy films made any money apart from Star Wars no Superman
3: that's very true but what I was going to say was, what's what's the difference between this and something like, say, Dungeons & Dragons, which also <sighs> mangles a license, has, puts out terrible costumes and ridiculous levels of, of acting and um, terrible script, and doesn't hit, and isn't something that you can watch and go, oh, actually, this is, this is kind of... I, I can go with this. And the only thing I can think of, other than the fact that I was ten when I saw one and twenty when I saw the other which is you know very valid might have a, a significant effect on how I interpret them um, but it's the earnestness
2: mm-hmm.
3: they, they just seem to I don't know be it's not even having fun it's just uh, they seem to mean it and I don't even know what I mean by that but Dungeons and what? Dragons and, and things of that ilk just seem to be cocking a snook at the whole fantasy genre.
0: Whereas the supremely earnest Warcraft delivers you the high fantasy with uh, with true love and adoration for the lore mm. and is impossible to relate to for the average person.
3: That's true, but that is actually a very good point because I felt more like giving Warcraft a pass mm. than some of the equally... Crappy fantasy interpretations that have come out in the last decade or so.
0: Better to fail trying than fail not trying. Yeah. Because really, Dungeons and Dragons feels like not trying. Yes. My God, that film. Yes. It's lazy and contemptuous, and um, just nothing is good about that film. No. It's awful. We're never gonna review that unless someone pays us $150. I like, I mean, for a start, I like the effects because I like 80s effects, and um, they have a certain charm to them. And uh, I I like how um, earnest, especially, Frank Langella is about playing Skeletor. Mm. Uh, I just wish there was more of him, frankly, throughout the whole way through the film. (laughs) Um, I uh, I kind of like, what else do I like? The music's fun. It is, yeah. Bill Conti did the uh, soundtrack mm. and uh, the, uh, the the shiny light effects and the zooming and the flashing it's very kind of it's, it's sort of a, like, at the beginning they can't decide whether they want to be Star Wars or Superman the most so they kind of split the difference mm. I like the matte paintings I've always liked matte paintings and a couple of them were that they uh, have to draw for a turn like, I wish this film had just been in Eternia and they'd just been doing matte paintings of Snake Mountain and uh, Castle Grayskull They do and they'd look been,
3: really good, don't they? Yeah,
0: I mean, for, you know, for a matte painting, if you know that it's a matte painting and it's, you know, I, I kind of an, admire the craft of that.
3: Mm. Well, there's an art to them. It's like the um, the scene in in the castle where they walk along the, the runway and you've got the mm. background is all matte painting. And I, I believe that the chasm underneath the runway is also a matte painting.
0: Oh, I also like Billy Barty as well. Oh, he's, he's not good. only earnest, but fun mm. as well. That's
3: yes.
4: Yeah.
0: Oh look, on Wikipedia, Jack Kirby inspiration. (laughs) Comic book writer artist John Byrne compared the film to Jack Kirby's comic book uh, meta-series Fourth World, stating in Comic Shop News 497 uh, The best New Gods movie, in my humble opinion, is Masters of the Universe I even corresponded with the director who told me this was his intent and that he tried to get Jack Kirby to do the production design, but the studio nixed it. Checked it out requires some bending and occasional sex changes Metron became an ugly dwarf that they're his words John Byrne's words not mine the High Father became the sorceress but it's amazingly close analogue otherwise and Frank Langella's Skeletor is a dandy dark side <laughs> I'm hoping that DC bring back the dandy dark side and I'm sure Frank Langella will go yep you want me to be dark side totes I would totes be dark side uh, director Gary Goddard clarified this in a letter appearing in John Byrne's Next Men 26 in which he stated as director of the Master of the Universe it's a pleasure to see that someone got it your comparison to the film to Kirby's New Gods is not far off. In fact, the storyline was greatly inspired from the classic Fantastic Four Doctor Doom epic, the New Gods, and a bit of Thor thrown in here and there. I intended the film to be a motion picture comic book, though it was a tough proposition to sell to the studio at the time. Comics are just for kids, they thought. This was two years before Batman, by the way. They would not allow me to hire Jack Kirby, whom I desperately wanted to be the concept artist for the picture. Imagine how many Jack Kirby cameos we would have gotten in films after this if it had been successful. (laughs) I grew up with Kirby's comics. I've still got all the marvels from my first issue of Fantastic Four and Spider-Man through to the time Kirby left. I had a great pleasure meeting him when he first moved to California since that time I enjoyed the friendship of Jack and Roz and was lucky enough to spend many hours with Jack hearing how he created his characters and this character and that one and why a villain has to be even more powerful than a hero and on and on. Jack was a great communicator and listening to him was always an education. You might be interested to know that I tried to dedicate Master of the Universe to Jack Kirby in the closing credits, but the studio took the credit out. So again, canon films being dicks. Mm-hmm. Prior to releasing it, the Canon Group touted Masters of the Universe as the Star Wars of the '80s.
2: Oh God! Oh.
0: Releasing alongside the height of the success of the toy line—that's open for debate. Technically, uh, in '82 it uh, emerged. In '83, the He-Man uh, TV show came out. So really, the height of the toy line would have been '83, '84 and related merchandising. Master of the Universe began as the third highest grossing film of the weekend in North America in August 7th, behind Stakeout and the Living Daylights. The film quickly left the charts altogether with a North American gross of just $17 million. It's an underdog. It's got a 17% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Variety called it a Conan-Star Wars hybrid rip-off that is a colossal bore. Um is it boring I'd say it's too silly to be boring like uh, maybe it was boring in those days because everything was silly but by today's standards it's sort of this big slice of American silliness
3: yeah I I wouldn't say it's boring
0: or if it's boring then it's amusingly boring or at least amusingly mundane is it
3: possible to be amusingly boring do they not counter each other out
0: L.A. Times called it a misfiring, underdone epic. Uh, Chicago Tribune wrote that it was, while predictable and derivative, entertains audiences through its side plots set on Earth. Uh, in retrospective review, Glenn Hahn of St. Slant Magazine called it a jarring mix of corny screwball comedy and choppy action heroics. That'll be those rubbish fighting. Uh, An uh, objectively bad film with a big heart. That's a good way of describing it. That was Chris Egerston of HitFix. Uh, Joshua Winnings of Digital Spy wrote, Beloved of the 80s kids, but scorned by critics, it's a high camp oddity that we should celebrate on its own terms. Uh, Billy Barty received a Golden Raspberry Award, nominated Aww. for Worst Supporting Actor for his performance in the film, but lost to David Mandehel in Over the Top, another canon film. The failure of Masters, along with other films such as Superman 4, Quest for Peace and Life Force, helped contribute to the eventual closure of canon films. They'd intended to create a Master of the Universe sequel indicated in the end credits when it's revealed that Skeletor in fact survives his fall into a small pit of slime. The low-budget $4.5 million project that was to be directed back-to-back back with their aborted Spider-Man movie, thank God that never happened, was abandoned when Canon couldn't pay for the Master's fee, Mattel's fees and the production used the already-made cosme- costumes and sets for the low-budget sci-fi film *A Cyborg starring Jean-Claude Van Damme.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It was Lundgren's first leading role in a feature film following the success of Rocky IV, and he went on to label this work as his least favourite film role. (laughs) Conversely, Langella considers playing Skeletor to be one of his favourite roles. Reboot. We may be back here at some point in the next few years. A new He-Man film directed by John Woo was reportedly being developed in 2007, but despite many rumours circulating the internet regarding the film's production status and casting, the project was never officially greenlit. The film rights to He-Man have reportedly since reverted to to Mattel. Can you imagine how bad a John Woo He-Man movie would be?
3: (laughs) Can you leap sideways while pushing somebody in the mud?
0: Yes. In September 9, Sony took over the rights from Warner Brothers to produce a live-action adaptation after Mattel and producer Joel Silver, kaboom, y'all, who had previously been involved with a potential film, couldn't agree on creative direction for the film. Sony and escape artist Todd Black and Steven Jason Blumenthal and Steve Tisch will now start developing the project from scratch for Columbia. Uh, Lundgren did an interview with IGN about the possible role in the film as King Randor, who never gets mentioned. On January 10th, 2014, Schmoes No reported that Joe Cornish, Ryan Johnson, uh, that, so uh, Joe Cornish attacked the block, Ryan Johnson, Looper, Andre Muschietti, Mama, Kirk D'Amico and Chris Sanders, the Croods, they would be great. And Phil Lord and Chris Miller, the Lego movie, you'll be lucky, were named as frontrunners to direct the film. On February 26th, it was reported that directors Mark Cahill, Jeff Wadlow, Harold Zwart, and Chris McKay on the shortlist. On April 9th, Schmoes reported that Wadlow will direct the film, but the Hollywood Reporter announced that he's re- rewriting the script of the film. On August 2015, it was announced that Christopher Yost has been hired to write the film. Brilliant idea. Christopher Yost is a great writer. He has a background in comics. He co-wrote Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Uh, Oh, he was one of the screenwriters for Thor The Dark World. Well, you can't win them all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Either way, I would still, uh, I would back uh, Christopher Yost. Um, He's also uh, writing Thor Ragnarok. So uh, we'll see if that comes to pass. And uh, on January 2016, they do it. Oh. Fuck. Deadline reports that McGee will direct the film, and will also oversee a rewrite of the latest script. That's oh, going to be shit, then. Right, we won't see you later, then, guys, because it's a McGee film.
1: Bye! And, of course, the film is directed by McGee. McGee!
0: <laughs> I was going to say, before we finish this one off, what you really don't want to do for this one is just get somebody who's worked on visual effects on another movie and get them to direct... You really need someone who's got confidence and vision and knows how to handle actors. It's not about the you know whether you can visualise the visual effects on this one. You know, you, th- this is going to be a tough call. This is going to be getting people to be, be either very very earnest or oddly cynical in terms of uh, being He-Man. And um, personally, I'd, I'd go for the Lego movie approach. But McGee is an incompetent windbag, an arsewipe, and a proven failure. I don't get why McGee is still working. I hate that man. I loathe him. I wish he would explode.
3: <laughs> it's a very specific wish.
0: <laughs> no, I don't wish he would explode. I just wish that uh, he could go and get a job folding sweaters in the gap with Jai Courtney. That way there will be no bad Terminator movies. Mm. (laughs) okay uh so yeah a master of the universe conversely i kind of like it i've been toying with the idea of getting this on blu-ray i don't think it really warrants hd frankly i think i'm happy enough owning it on dvd uh you know i will probably get this out and watch it every couple of years
3: yeah yeah i'd say so you know all right it's not going to come out quite as often as willow but maybe dark crystal yeah,
0: I would say I've probably watched this as much as I've seen Dark Crystal in uh, recent years.
3: Mm.
0: It's it's not as good as Dark Crystal.
2: Yeah. No,
3: but but they are not necessarily ones that you would go back to repeatedly, but for different reasons. Yeah, yeah. This has all the silly. Dark Crystal has all the serious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you put them together, much like the Skeksis and the Mystics.
3: And you and get you have, Willow.
0: You get Willow. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Okay. Okay. Thank you guys very, very much. Uh, We will be back next week with something else entirely. (laughs) Next week, we will be doing Independence Day and its sequel, Independence Day Colon Resurgence. Okay, folks, if you get Colon Resurgence, consult your doctor. On a side note, I don't recommend Independence Day Resurgence. I don't recommend you go and see it. If you want to go and see it, you can. That's fine. It's your choice. But it's rubbish. And you can hear next week in the podcast exactly why it's rubbish. And you can think to yourself, oh, I'm glad I didn't go and see that then. So I've been Alex Shaw.
3: I've been Sharon Shaw. And by the power of the Skull,
0: we have the power. To play us out, here is a fragment from the Nevermind the Buzz Geeks quiz show episode I did way back in, like, 2011, all about the intro music to She-Ra.
5: Round one is the opening monologue, two shows that start with a classic
0: and by now somewhat obscure piece of dialogue. Two points per <coughs> show, depending on how close you get. Blue Team, for two points, can you give me the opening monologue from
5: She-Ra, Princess of Power?
2: Oh,
5: oh. Christ. Um, wh- now th- this I... is a bit odd because because my um, my friend Daisy is uh, going to Comic Con this year and she is cosplaying as Shira, so I should know this shit. I should know this. Well, I think Daisy probably knows this. Yeah. Okay, Do you want right, to find okay. a friend? No, no, no. I think I know. I think at least know the start of it. Some, okay. Uh, sort of like I am Adora, you are. princess of. Well, you fall what? at the first hurdle here? It's not princess of. No, no. no right. uh, I am. Uh, she's a twin brother of Adam. She's twin brother of Adam.
2: Yeah. But,
5: you, you, you're really banking uh, on that one. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I am Adora, twin brother of Adam. Who the uh, fuck is Adam? Shout the crowd. Uh, she's certainly called Adora, I know that. Yeah. Okay, we need to get off the first 20. sentence. You're right about <laughs> I am Adora. And while I was frolicking in no. the forest one day, <laughs> I came across a magic pony. No. A magic pony said, who oh, no. are you, Although she does mention yeah, her magic. Unicorn. Pony. It is. No, no, it becomes a unicorn. Right, okay, right. I
0: am Adora, you got that right, next bit. You are close with He-Man's twin brother.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Twin sister to, uh... Christ, what's his name? Adam. No, she actually says
0: He-Man's twin sister. Really? Which is like, that that doesn't make any sense, because she's actually Adam's. Technically, if you want to get technical about it, all Adam is doing is channeling the power of King Greyskull and becoming He-Man. He-Man doesn't have any brothers or sisters. He's an
5: entity... This sounds something out of Brave New World, this. After Twin Sister, what is it? What, what does she defend? Uh, justice. Nope. Uh, an, no, an American way. <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, Red Team, do you want to try this? Because these guys have fallen. I'll pass now. <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah, was, uh, she defends... <laughs> uh, no, she defends... Not Eternia, something that sounds like Eternia. It's a theory, uh, you? but you'd still be wrong. Okay, right.
0: this is this is helping you way too much but right imagine imagine you're trying to sort of uh work out how to make he-man appealing to girls you take the gray
5: skull castle and you change it to something that girls would like pink fluffy castle i'll give you that one crystal castle crystal castles yay okay yeah after she said that she's the defender of the crystal castle what then
0: Think about the format of the way He-Man introduced himself.
5: She, she, oh, I, I remember she's got the whole sword thing. She, she's got her own sort of version of the sword yep. that she holds aloft. It's got a crystal in it. in it. Yeah, it's got a crystal in it, and it's like, and it is a very sort of like similar by the power of.
3: Oh, oh, oh.
5: By this next bit's very crucial. All the girls out there are shouting at their iPods at this point. It's not by the power of, by the justice of call forth the power of. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't got it, right.
0: Yeah, okay, right. For the audience at home, here's how it should sound.
4: I am Adora, He-Man's twin sister and defender of the Crystal Castle. This is spirit, my beloved steed. Fabulous secrets were revealed to me the day I held aloft my sword and
2: said... For the honor of Grace Gow. She
4: was. I am she was. Only a few others share this secret. Among them are Light Hope, Madame Raz, and Cowell. Together, we and my friends of the Great Rebellion
2: strive to
4: free Assyria
2: from the evil forces of the Horde.
5: I'd just few... like to point out with are all boys and would never have watched Shira. Of course, yes, yes but for girls. That's so it. We <clears throat> were novel before we started there. Indeed. <laughs> Red team (laughs) for two points. I I think a point is deserved. I think uh, I'll give you a point for that one. Yeah, come on. For for knowing that it was Adora, at least. And this
0: song is for He Man, who in uh, some countries is known in toy form as Muslaw. I'm just kidding, here's some more of that lovely score by Bill Conti of the Rocky movies.